arrange a day and a time to head over to the house and meet them in person. I've been on them where it turned into a barbecue, right? Like have have a bite to eat and have a beer and, uh, you know, on a nice summer day. Yeah, I'll show you how the pool works and how the heater works. And uh, especially the people that have pride in their property, they're, they're happy right. to show it off, right? Then you get the backstory. Oh, yeah, me and my son back in 1972, oh, yeah. we built this shed. Yeah. And then you as yeah, a buyer people, are like, oh, I probably shouldn't tell you I'm tearing down that shed, but keep telling yeah. me. All right. Hello. Welcome to episode 176 of KT Confidential, the real estate podcast. We are your host. I'm Ariel Cremendi. He's Adrian Trot. Hello, I'm back. Buddy. He's back. Happy 40th. Well, now it's a, a, a week. A week later. Past, a week later. Uh, but you're 40, the big Thanks four. for covering. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I wouldn't want you to, you know, feel tied down to doing a podcast on your 40th birthday. Yes, I, I do appreciate that. That We can't uh, let our, our record of however many 400 and some odd days of recording consistently weekly videos weeks, go. 400 and something weeks. What did I say? Days. I thought I said videos. But yes, 400 and some odd weeks. Yeah. Got to keep consistent. That's it. Um, today, we're talking about what you need to do as a seller to prepare for closing. Yes. And this was brought on because you and I happened to be closing on a property today. And over the course of the last month, we've been uh, on the other side of the transaction where we are uh, the one actually transacting. Uh, you like my ones... uh, Easter eggs, by the way? I do. They are the Easter egg very background. nice. Yeah, very festive. Very appropriate. This will be, oh, this will be published before Easter. But pretty yeah, darn close. Easter, Easter is right around the corner. So yeah, we, uh, we're going to give you some tips as a seller, what you need to do to prepare and be prepared for, for closing. So That's right. I'll, I'll start off by saying, uh, most importantly, is you should know what is in the actual sale agreement. Uh, if there are any conditions or any clauses of things that the purchasers have asked you to complete prior to closing. So that can be things like touching up a wall if you're removing your TV or replacing a microwave that doesn't work or potentially opening up a pool or closing a pool and providing an invoice, a, co a paid copy, uh, a copy of a paid invoice, things of that nature. So it's really important to understand and go through line by line what's included in the agreement of purchase well, and sale. And on, on that note, um, prior to accepting an offer, be very diligent about reading that because I've caught line, um, clauses where real estate agents have tried to sneak it in, sometimes in a separate schedule, not necessarily in Schedule A, um, but some of the wordings have been, um, very specific in saying that basically every hole left in the walls as a result of removing anything needs to be patched and repaired. Um, and if you don't catch those things in advance, 
could if somebody wanted to make a big deal out of it, seller probably could have grounds to argue that you need to basically repaint the whole house. Um, so you have to be really careful what you're signing. And then what you were saying about providing proof of it being done, sometimes clauses are worded in a certain way where the work that's been agreed upon has to be done by a specific person or a certain uh, person with a certain qualification. So if you're a handyman and you're expecting to do your own electrical work, they ask for, make sure it's worded in such a way that allows you to, or a handy woman, handy person. If you're a handy person. Um, well, on the flip side of that too, or the other way of looking at that from a buyer's perspective, what I always discuss with our buyers is, you know, so as an example, if we had a buyer that said, oh, I want them to, that's fine. Let them take the mirrors or whatever, but I want them to repair and repaint those walls. If you're not overly specific and you're just having the homeowner quote unquote, touch up those areas, oftentimes they look like shit, right? Like they're not done yeah, very most, well. Um, yeah. like most even, homeowners shouldn't be doing a lot of their own repairs. Right. Yeah. We see a lot of homes, even when the homeowner is doing it for their own satisfaction or their own use, it's still not done properly. So can you only imagine if they're having to do this for closing and you know, it's not for them, it's for somebody else. And they're just whipping some, you know, uh, stuff on the wall to patch it up and quickly throwing a little bit of paint up there. Uh, it's not going to look so great nine times no. out of 10. So, yeah. well, and, and especially with patches, if somebody's patching and the paint was done 10 years ago, Right. I mean, you may as well just not do anything or do it, well, exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. And if, and if the new owners want to repaint a new color, as an example, then the painters will touch up any of those holes and fill them in and do it properly. Yeah. Well, um, and on the note of paint and building supplies and materials and things that are, uh, as it relates to things that you should be leaving behind when you leave and things that you should not be leaving behind when you leave. What do you think, uh, what are common things left behind that would bother you if you were to move in? I, again, it's about setting expectations. So when you're in the home during the purchase, you want to have your, or during your showing before you purchase, you want to have your eyes open uh, as to what potentially might be left behind. And it depends on the kind of property too. So rural properties or cottages, as an example, oftentimes there's wood, uh, right? Like for fire pits or for fireplaces or wood burning stoves. Um, you may or may not want that depending on what kind of wood it is, how wet is it or whatever. Tires, tires yeah. often get left behind well talking uh, about rural property well, sometimes the back lot is used for dumping stuff right, right. so i've seen that yes. very often yes yes we've been involved in many transactions on rural properties where things get left behind um uh, furniture furniture can be left behind sometimes right like especially you can't get that uh, big hutch, couch out of the basement a hutch in the 
garage. It was used for storage and now they just leave it. They empty it out, but they leave it. Well, sorry, I don't want your 50-year-old hutch that's worth five bucks. Get it out. Um, you know, things like I've seen shampoo bottles under um, under sinks and bathrooms. Food, you know, in the pantry or in the freezer or in the fridge. Um, yeah, paint, things like that. Things tiles. like that. You know, paint, tiles, building equipment, things that were used in the home to prepare it for sale or, you know, paint cans that identify the paint color or code. Um, that's up to the buyer whether or not they want those. I personally don't care and don't want them. I don't want anything. I want the home to be as vacant, clean, free of debris, free of personal belongings as possible. Yes. So, so when it's when worth, I was gonna let you go. I was just gonna say it's worth asking the buyer though, because in many cases, I've had instances where the buyers were first-time home buyers or they were going through a divorce and they were leaving behind a lot of their stuff. And they were sometimes, you know, open to buying things from the sellers and sometimes just overwhelmingly grateful that the sellers would even consider leaving things behind, uh, be it you know, big or small appliances, a shovel, a garbage bin, whatever. So it's worth asking. Yeah. Some people might want it for sure. Um, clean the home, right? So aside from getting rid of all the personal belongings, all of the debris, nobody wants your facial hair clippings that are still in the top drawer where you stored your razors. Even my uh, wife doesn't want that. Yeah, right. Well, let alone someone else's wife. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, you know, um, give it a give it a cleaning, but even bring in a cleaner, a cleaning company to give the bathrooms a clean. Right, like you're the. I think the it people, can be appreciated. Yeah, for sure. The people that are buying the home are probably going to want to clean it themselves and sterilize things. But if they come into the home that they just purchased for a million and a half dollars, which is that's where the average of home prices is creeping into, um, you know, you spend $1.5 million and you walk in and you've got all these facial or body hair clippings um you've got soap residue in the shower you've got a dirty kitchen sink dirty appliances things like that you know that's not very welcome home kind of uh, uh thought process or um you know very, it's not very inviting so so i would say to the sellers you know make it nice and clean how how you would want to uh, the home that you're purchasing to be presented when you get the keys. Well, and as a buyer, if you're able to make it happen, it's nice to close a bit earlier before you have to move in so that you can go and do some of those essential things. Like it's not, it wouldn't be fun to have to move in and unload your cooler of groceries into a dirty fridge. It'd be nice to have the opportunity to scrub it clean before you put your stuff in there. So at the chance that it wasn't cleaned for you or to your liking, uh, try to get in there early to do it yourself or to 
arrange to have somebody go in and, and clean it on your behalf. Yes. Uh, it is a good, that is a good investment to do a, what's known in the industry as a quote unquote move in clean. Uh, a lot of cleaning companies will go in for you and do a deep clean. And, um, and that way you're not spending all that sweat equity um, cleaning the home before you even get to enjoy it. Uh, the next thing that I always like to do is ensure the utilities and any rental contracts um, are being passed along to the new owner. So as the seller, you want to call up the hydro company, the water company, the gas company, the hot water tank company, your cable and internet provider, all of those anything that you have as a service going to the house and um, give them the move out date or the closing date in most cases, because some utilities you'll want to keep until that point. Um, and just get that out of the way, because that does take a little bit of time because it does require some phone calls or finding the right website to go to or finding your account number and things like that. So that can take a few hours for sure. Yeah. Um, I recently, we just signed a new listing um, that'll be coming up soon. And during my visit yesterday, actually, uh, or sorry, two days ago, the homeowners told me that the previous owner, so this is a house that we sold three, four years ago. We listed and sold. Yeah, We listed and sold. We did not represent the buyer at the time, but they were impressed and they hired us this time to sell it for them. And they told me that a couple of months ago, the previous owner, who is a client of ours, came by, and this is, remember, almost four years later, I believe, uh, to collect mail because they had never changed. They never forwarded oh, wow. their mailing address. And they had a number of things they hadn't actually updated. So they had a stack of mail at the house. And, uh, so he, the previous owner, a client, um, showed up, I think he brought a basket of something to apologize, but mail forwarding is important. Yeah. I guess that client wasn't reading our emails that, uh, advised them yeah. of the things to do. Right. But apparently not. So that's an important part of the process. You get it out of the way. Um, and then you get your final bills as well that need to be cleared up the lawyer at closing when you're signing your closing documents will ensure um, that you've done that and that all of your taxes have been paid up to date um, and that you advise the town or the city uh, of the closing date. So you're only responsible for the taxes up until um, and including the day of closing. Yeah. Another thing is um, I guess any time of the year, but general maintenance. So at this time of the year, that could be something like if there were snowstorms clearing the snow so that I would say if a buyer showed up on closing day and there was three feet of snow and ice built up in the driveway, preventing the truck from getting in, I would say that is probably reasonable grounds um, for compensation of some sort, um, saying that the previous owner didn't maintain the property and resulted in them having, un, you know, undo or uncalled for expenses. And then in the summertime, something we run into occasionally is sellers neglecting the lawn um, and general upkeep of the gardens. And then homeowners or new buyers move in that's full of weeds. We've seen instances where sellers are liable in those cases. 
So you have to maintain it as though it was still yours and you're living there, even if you've moved out. Sure. And it goes into having a sense of pride of, you know, the, the new owner now owning the home that you lived in and you want them to have a good experience. You want them to treat the home. Well, you want the home to treat them well. Um, you know, it's a kind of that full circle of life. Sorry for those of you watching, I am sitting on the floor today. Couldn't, I'm at home. Uh, my family's on vacation and it's nice and quiet in the house. So I've been working from home and I was looking for a good lighting spot and this was one of the areas. So I'm sitting on the floor and my leg is sometimes falling asleep here. Got the pins and needles going. Um, I mean, that is the basics of it, right? Like keep the home clean, clean it for the new owners. Make sure the utility bills and all of your recurring bills. Um, and temperature too. If it's summer, extremely humid air in the house because you never turn the air conditioning on for a couple of weeks can damage the flooring. And the winter I've been, I've walked into a house close to closing and it was like plus three degrees Celsius, yeah. uh, you know, much colder and there would be, uh, I mean, there could have been damage to building material, but you could have had burst pipes, et cetera. So you have to maintain a, a reasonable temperature and humidity level still. Well, good point at the Broussard Renault we shut off the water because the property is vacant until closing. So yeah. there's a period there of a few weeks where nobody was going in or out of the property and we shut off the water to protect, um, protect us against potential, potential leaks. Yeah. Um, yes. Forward your mail. Canada post has a great mail forwarding program. Get the, don't cheap out for the extra, I think it's an extra 60 bucks for the entire year. To the year, get, yeah. Get it for a whole year because you don't know who's sending you a birthday card, a Christmas card. You don't know what subscriptions you've got. Your CAA membership is coming due. You totally forgot about CAA because that is a bit of a pain in the butt is changing your address with all of the banks and every anybody that has your address, it is a, a pain in the butt, right? So get the mail forwarding. That way, if you do forget to update it somewhere, uh, you'll quickly find out once once that mail is getting forwarded to the new address. Well, it's not a bad idea also to establish a process for uh, the event that things don't get caught by that forwarding system because it does happen. Things do still slip through. Um so it's maybe good just to, I guess your options would be just uh, between the real estate agents to coordinate and, and communicate that with the new owners. Um, or there's the option of exchanging information. Now, some people do that. I don't know that I'd be overly fond of the idea, but I, you know, I may not be opposed to it, I suppose. I would hate that. Would I, you? I figured I you would say that. I would hate that if the, the new owners had my contact info, I guess I have no choice because anybody can find my contact info, but, yeah. um, as, as an average seller selling to a new buyer, can you imagine how many phone calls and questions and all of this that you'd get? So what I would recommend is if you want to be friendly depending on how friendly you want to be, 
Yeah. Um, set it up through the realtors. Now, realtors do not like being the middleman after closing because that is a bad situation for a realtor to be in. Don't mind helping out, but it can also leave us in a legally precarious, I don't know if precarious is the right word, but it can leave us uh, in a gray area sometimes, depending on what is said, not said, what's contractually agreed to, not not agreed to, whatever. But if it's just for like purpose of a mail or something like that, not a big deal. But what I would suggest is if you want to be helpful and friendly, arrange uh, a day and a time to head over to the house and meet meet them in person. That way, if, as an example, this happens with rural properties a lot or luxury homes a lot. So homes that have, you know, uh, more intricate electrical components or, or Wi-Fi components, stuff, pools, yeah. Yeah, pools, hot tubs, septic systems, um, you know, things that, especially if somebody's going from an urban area to a rural area and they've not been familiarized with what it takes to run a home that's on septic or on propane or has a pool, um, even a hot tub, you know, things like that. So, so arrange a time, uh, oftentimes that happens during one of the revisits. So your, purchasing your purchasing realtor that's helped you as a buyer will build in usually one, two, three visits back to the property prior to closing. And sometimes it's a good idea to arrange one of them for the, or try to, for the seller to be there. Um, I like to do that after closing if possible, but uh, it's happened many times where that happens during those visits. And uh, and a lot of sellers are are very accommodating, right? They'll say, "Oh yeah, come by," and they'll. I've I don't, yeah, I've, I've met many people that don't mind. Yeah, I've been on them where it turned into a barbecue, right? Like have have a bite to eat and have a beer, and uh, you know, on a nice summer day, yeah, I'll show you how the pool works and how the heater works, and uh, especially the people that have pride in their property, they they're happy right. to show it off, right? Yes. And Alternatively, then get, maybe then you get the you back. Do. Then you get the backstory. Oh yeah, me and my son back in 1972, oh, yeah. we built this shed. Yeah, and then you as yeah, a buyer, are people, like, oh, I probably shouldn't tell you. I'm tearing down that shed, but keep telling yeah. me. One thing you could do if you're not, if you're a bit hesitant or not overly social or you know whatever, you could set up a new email address specifically for the purpose of handling yeah. those yeah. inquiries. Um, that's probably not a bad idea. Yep. The email address that you used to email all of the realtors, your questions when you were out buying a home, you know, the yeah. one that was only set up for home purchase. Now it can be for your closing and for the home you've actually purchased. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, I, I don't think there's much else to it. Um, you know, what you should plan is a few days before closing, your lawyer will want to meet with you either in person or virtually. A lot of them are doing virtual closings now. Uh, they'll go through the statement of adjustments and disbursements and uh, go through all the legalese of um, closing. Um, and then the best 
scenario is leave all keys, all remotes, any uh, warranty paperwork, any... Yeah. Um, you could leave passwords for yeah. various things, but... Or instructions on how to reset the password. Well... Yeah, that's my message to buyers. If there's buyers listening is if you don't have them, it's not a big deal. You can usually very easily reset them. Just Google the make and model number. Yeah, um, yeah. I can't count how many times cases. I've had people messaging me, agents specifically, can you tell me the uh, code to the garage entry door? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, because it's my damn bank password as well. So yeah. change it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like, I mean, you take off the back cover, you hit reset and right. choose your own password. Like you're going to do that anyways. So, yeah, well, that, that's uh, a service. I think more uh, agents should be providing because you, you should be making sure they reset all those. Why on earth would you want to use the previous one? Who knows how many people know it? Right. Well, so, that's part of the reason we have all of our purchases rekeyed uh, after right. closing. Um, anything else? The only other thing I can think of is just acknowledging that you are responsible for the house to be in the same condition and working order as it was when it was purchased up until usually the end of closing day. So, you know, using a recent uh, property of ours as an example, there was a piece of flashing that got blown off in the wind. So we had to get it properly installed again. You can't just leave these things. I've had uh, instances where uh, one client, their fridge, which was, it wasn't new, but it wasn't old. It was maybe two to three years old. So it was fairly new. It completely crapped out a week before closing. Uh, so it's, you know, it's a tough, uh, tough bullet to bite, but you've got to, you're responsible for it. So uh, in those instances, there's different options. In that case, I can't remember what they ended up doing. Actually, I think they gave them, um, I think they gave them a, a gift card or something to replace it. You know, uh, and they didn't care that it wasn't worth the full value of a new one. They they were happy to to provide the full amount, uh, recognizing that it was their responsibility. But it is your responsibility, and that's the biggest thing. And if you're not sure how to handle it, just have an open communication with your agent, your realtor, and and come to an agreement of some sort. Maybe the buyer plans to replace all the appliances or whatever it is, anyways. So it's good to have that con that that conversation. And if you are replacing it, it has to be with a like item. So I think I've said this story before in a previous podcast, but um, I remember I helped a friend of a friend purchase a home, custom kitchen, and it had a beautiful bar fridge and the cabinetry was built to the specifications of this bar fridge. Turns out the bar fridge stopped working and the seller replaced it, but replaced it with a generic Costco fridge that fit in there, but it now had a gap of like four inches on either side. Right. So no longer custom built or built in. And uh, so we were there for one of the revisits prior to closing and my buyer's like, hey, Ariel, come here for a second. So I go and he says, uh, I don't remember this fridge being this fridge meanwhile the, ho the homeowners are uh, waiting in the car like please don't right. notice yeah. it please don't notice it please don't notice so it. so it turns out that sure enough i had photos and the serial number and everything of that bar fridge and that bar fridge was like a three thousand dollar fridge and the fridge that it was replaced with was like 1200 right 
So my buyer said, well, it's not even the matter of changing out the fridge because the other one stopped working. It's it doesn't friggin' fit. It looks stupid, which it did. And what pissed them off even more so is that the seller knew we were coming for the visit that day and didn't happen to pass along the message to the realtor or to me or to any, like, no, we didn't know. We didn't know. So we were blindsided by seeing it when we were at the property. And, you know, that, that is never. um, Do you recall the outcome? Uh, Yes. Yes. I recall the outcome. Uh, They took the fridge that they re- the new fridge that they replaced the old one with they took it out and my buyer got credited the full purchase price plus hst at closing so whatever 3000 plus tax was subtracted from from the purchase price got it and that was agreeable with both parties yeah so so it turned out okay yeah that's good um, I think that summarizes most of it. Just treat it as though it was your own and provided in the same condition with everything that should or should not be there. Yep. And then have a checklist for yourself. Uh, get the mail forwarded, contact anybody that has your current address, give them the new address, cancel your utilities for closing day. Um, you know, just being prepared. And then the last thing is when you're leaving the home for the final time, ask your realtor to leave the lockbox at the property because then you can lock up, put the key in the lockbox and leave any additional keys, garage door remotes, all of that, usually in the kitchen counter and in a kitchen drawer. Leave it there. You lock up, you put the key in the lockbox and you say your goodbyes. That's the easiest way to pass off the keys at closing. And then once the property closes, once the lawyer receives notification that the property is closed, your lawyer as a buyer, your lawyer will contact you, say, congratulations, you've closed. The keys are in the lockbox. Here's the code. Now, a pro tip, if you're concerned or uh, you just want to double protect yourself, you can change the code in that lockbox. So that's the only person, the lawyer will be the only person to have that new code. So yeah. otherwise we covered off everything. If you have any questions, comments, uh, you want us to um, dig into another topic, leave a comment, send us a DM. And that's about it. That's episode 176 of KT Confidential, the real estate podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Or you'll hear us next week. You'll heal us. You'll heal us. Heal me. My (laughs) leg is tingling.